from that since that first conversation and and he was like are you in and i was like yeah i'm in and he said let's do it you know as fast as you want to go i'm um, i'm in welcome to the super well podcast your source for truly holistic and original perspectives on health and happiness Each week, we take true dives into the key areas of life with true leaders and true conversations. It's your time for a super well life. Hello and welcome back, super well team. Thanks for joining me for another podcast. Today, we have a beacon episode, which means we're going to interview a wellness leader from around the world. And the person that I'm connecting with is Damien Shaparo from... Araha Retreats in New Zealand, which is a retreat that's run just outside of Queenstown. And it is quite an amazing place. Now, a bit of backstory. My wife and I went there on our honeymoon. We'd been to New York, uh, then Hawaii, and we thought it'd be a really great place to stop in on the way home and get some rest and recuperation before getting back into normal life. We had seen some photos online of of the retreat, in particular the yoga room, and we thought that um, it would be amazing to attend. Now, what we didn't realize was just how amazing it actually is. And I had the best week. I just, I loved it. I learned a lot about myself and uh, also my body. And I often refer people to this place. I know a number of my friends that have attended Uh, the retreat um, after we did and they've had a similar experience as well now when we were there we funny enough we had a a girl on the retreat and her job was actually um, to go around and and go to retreats and report on them for I think it was a magazine and uh, her experience was that it was the best place that she'd ever attended that was like this and I know that they've won a number of awards as well uh, because it is just a magical place it's an active retreat which means you do lots of movement. Uh, you have yoga in the morning, yoga at night. Uh, you do a hike every day. Um, it's completely off the grid. There's saunas and spas and you get a massage. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal experience and a very, very beautiful place. Um, so uh, I was really thrilled when Damien said that he would come on to the podcast because he has some great learnings. Uh, he's had a great evolution as a person the creation of something special like this takes um, people with with a great mind. Uh, so he and his business partner Chris have created something really fabulous in Araha. Now, there's lots of great take homes. I hope you enjoy the episode. And as usual, if you have any feedback, make sure you jump uh, jump on our Instagram or or the website and and comment. Um, one last thing on the Instagram post for this podcast, we will have a few photos uh, of the retreat, um, so you can have a look for yourself. And I implore everyone who feels like they need to get back in touch with themselves and um, maybe have a little um, recalibration from a health and wellness perspective to get over to Araha and uh, make sure you attend the retreat because it is truly, truly a magical experience. Enjoy. All right. Thanks for joining me, Damien. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's uh, been great watching the unfolding of Araha and obviously attending it myself. Uh, I really, really love the place. So what Thank I would you. love for you to do is uh, tell us a bit about you and your journey into health and what experiences and learnings have shaped you as a person and a practitioner uh, that started you along this journey. Yeah, you know, I reckon if you've met me in my, say, teens and 20s, uh, you might not have seen it coming. 
Um, but my, if I really look back, my mother was, you know, she was meditating my whole life. She was a Sufi, um, by practice. And so she's kind of the alternative philosopher of the family. My dad was an engineer. And so I, I ended up through my early years, essentially going through a fairly normal course of action and went to university and ended up with a a degree in business and did some consulting for a while. And I basically just reached a point, which, which I think is, seems to be a, a fairly common moment that, that humans can have where um, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. Um, I was making good money. I had a 401k, like all the thing, all the ducks were in the row. I, you know, I had a car that I liked. I bought a house. Um, a lot of those things were happening, but each, you know, spending the vast majority of my days uh, doing something that wasn't very fulfilling. And so I eventually got fed up enough that I was willing to give up the perks. And I became a yoga teacher, moved out to LA and got into wellness. And that was uh, just a little over 15 years ago now. And started working at a place called the Ashram, which ran a particular style of health retreat. And they're still there today, an amazing place to visit if you have the chance and you're in L.A. Uh, they run a seven-day program. And so I worked there for about six years. And during that time, I um, you know, spent some time, you know, worked and lived at a place called SLN, which is in Big Sur, California, and was just interested in it. I, you know, It was one of these moments where I went from not knowing what I wanted to do and really just throwing caution to the wind and just jumping off and and to finding something that really felt like a calling and felt like I was doing what I really wanted to do. So it was, it became easy. It just became interesting. My vacations became, you know, going and practicing yoga or learning meditation or going on retreat and, and, and working with various teachers. And, and that was, that's been the process. I did that for a while. And then um, let's see, what are we now about nine years ago? We, uh, the concept of, of Adarha, of course, was unnamed at that point, but was percolating underneath the surface. We had started a, a retreat company called Chrysalis Retreats in, in the States, and we were doing pop-up wellness retreats. And, and my now business partner, uh, Chris Madison and his family, Madison's, uh, we, we got together. We were, we'd been friends for a long time, and um, I, I was chatting with him about this idea of how we could take it to... Uh, uh, the next level and fill a few um, gaps and close a few circles. And he was surprising, you know, I, to be honest, I don't think it was a pitch. Like I wasn't kind of pitching an idea to him. I was just kind of, as a friend would talk to another friend, I was just talking about it, an idea that I was excited about. And uh, I was surprised when he said, yeah, well, we should do it together. And, and that was that we just one foot after another and, and opened up Adarha nearly six years ago. Now we'll be six in January. And um, that's, that's been the story. It's been an amazing journey. And was it, do I recall correctly that you guys were actually on holiday in Switzerland when that conversation took place? Were you there separately and you just happened to run into each other? or um... Yeah, it had a, quite a bit of uh, serendipity to it. He was living there. So he was living in Zurich at the time. And I was running retreats uh, seasonally in Spain, in Mallorca. And I knew that he was there. We, we kind of kept in touch enough that I kind of, I knew he was in Zurich and I was visiting uh, an old roommate at, 
in Geneva and he was in Zurich. And I just happened to just, you know, was sitting there and kind of sent a message and was like, Hey, you know, just a little shout out, you know? And, uh, and he was just like, you should jump on the train, you know, pop up here, spend a night. We'd love to see you. And so I, you know, jumped off a train in, in Zurich and we went to lunch and I remember the lunch really clearly because you know, it was like, that was the moment, you know, Adarha, you could say Adarha was born at that lunch. And it was in a very kind of short period of time that we were having one of these kind of buzzy chats, you know, where you can just like, you know, whoever you're chatting with, you, you're on the same level and everything's just kind of in kind of lockstep. And um, you could call it like flow state, you know, things were just coming very easily. And, and I remember we went home from that lunch and we were actually looking at, literally where you would put it like looking and thinking of the map of the world and thinking okay like if we're going to do this where would we go and new zealand came on on in, into that conversation chris's cfo was a kiwi and neither one of us had been down here so we knew actually knew nothing about it probably save a bit of you know of photos you know in the in the backs yeah. of our memories and so we just kind of agreed to check it out and and he came down first and I mean, he was probably down here within a month of that conversation. He had popped down to New Zealand and, and he came back just raving about it. He, you know, was like, you got to go check this out. This place is beautiful. And so, and then I popped down next. And, and then after that, by then, you know, a few, a few months, say two or three months had gone by since that, maybe just a little more than that, since that first conversation. And and he was like, are you in? And I was like, yeah, I'm in. And he said, let's do it. You know, as fast as you want to go, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And so he's, he's always, it's been a really great relationship. You know, business is, you know, we joke that it's a little bit like a, a second marriage. You know, you're, you're really um, yeah. involved with whoever you get into business with. And it's, it's really been, you know, as good as you can possibly ask for. So, yeah. And that, um, obviously, uh, when you were having that conversation, you two were hitting it off and you must have been talking about certain principles and um, ideas around health and well-being and, and values and beliefs that you were both aligned with, uh, hence the, the flow state. Uh, can you give us a bit of insight into what those fundamental principles are that ARAHA has been based upon? Yeah, um, I would say, and if you could so say, you, you know, you would know this firsthand, but um, yeah. In general, what we do first is is you work with the body. The basic idea is, and we all know this, that you know you you can be cruising along, perhaps interested in being your highest self, and if you bash your toe into the bed and break your big toe, chances are, like your ability to focus and to be present and to kind of do higher level thinking, uh, certainly in that moment and probably for the weeks following while your toe is mending, is going to be challenged. And so whatever ailment there is in the body, it, it's, it's prohibitive. It's not to yeah. say that we can't, can't, you know, rise above the physical body. Of course, that's kind of one of the ultimate aims. But, but in general, most of us, you know, if we're kind of slogging along every day and we're you know, drinking too much coffee to wake up and drinking too much alcohol to come down and working, you know, long hours under, you know, fluorescent lights and, you know, we're not moving and, you know, the body, the body's going to be struggling. It's not going to feel good. And it's really difficult to unfog yourself, if you will, 
when the body's not doing well. So the, the foundational practice is, is to kind of help the body to thrive and, and return to well-being. So we do a lot of that on, on the very first day when you, when you come, you know, we take a hike. That's the first thing we do. We just get you out of nature into the sunshine, into the wind and the fresh air. And, and we start moving and sweating. And so I would say movement is a, is a big part of, of Adarha's program. And, and I actually think, you know, there are other programs like say Vipassana, you know, where you might go and spend 10 days in silent meditation. And I find those kind of programs uh, amazing and, and very valuable. But I think if your body is in poor shape, it's unlikely that that's going to land with any value um, because it's going to be so incredibly uncomfortable that it'll it'll be hard to get much out of it. So there does seem to be kind of a high fail rate with some of those things. So Adarha basically starts with the physical. And then and so that's, you know, looking at nutrition and, you know, balanced movement in the body and massage and hot and cold therapy. And we basically do a whole bunch of things that help us to sleep better and to move better and, and for our organism essentially to thrive. And then once you you get all of that going, uh, you could say that the the door will open more easily, right? It's it's a lot it's a lot easier to go inside and to do, um, I guess, some cleanup on the inside, or just to observe what's going on and how you're doing inside, and to to work with some of the some of the you know evolution that might be waiting inside. So then that's the, kind of the next step as we move through. We we kind of progress in the experience and. Uh, we'll, we'll practice more meditation and go a little deeper into those things. And um, the program is, is I think, kind of quite balanced in, in all of those realms, you know. So you're never doing too much of any one aspect. For example, we, we fast, but, but it's, you know, it's an optional fast and it's for about 24 hours, you know, so it's not a long fast. So the digestion doesn't shut down too much and and we're, we'll, we invite people into periods of silence, you know, on the walks and bits and pieces, but we never hold you in silence for too long. Um, and because we assume that most people are coming from a fairly regular life in, you know, a fairly regular city somewhere. And, and it seems to be that this mix is really appropriate for most. Yeah, was, I mean, I, I absolutely loved um, the way that was structured when, when I was there. Um, what about in terms of also uh, some of the, I guess, principles around building that, the, the space? So you've got this incredible space. So for people who are listening who haven't seen anything, um, any, foot, any photos or any footage of Araha, how would you describe the, the idea behind it? Um, I'd rather you do this than me because you'll do it a lot more justice uh, talking about the idea of how you placed everything, the materials you used, the, the fact that it's sort of off-grid and, and, you know, you grow your own food and so forth. Yeah, it's a great idea to chat about that. Um, essentially, one of the things that I noticed when, when I was entering into health retreats was that a lot of the structures that were being used, for example, were just fairly typical. You know, we, the human needs were being met in a, in a fairly typical way. Um, and, and I realized that part of holistic well-being, I think I personally believe that part of what we need to heal uh, is not only ourselves, but in a sense, our culture. And, and as an extension of that, like our culture really needs to probably have a hard look at how 
we're providing for our for our needs. Uh, and so the idea was, can we create a wellness center that embodies a step forward in some way and models a way that we we could produce our energy or we could build a form or we could, you know, grow our nourishment or, or how we might deal with our waste. And so that was the general idea. It was a huge learning curve for me because I'd never done uh, any, I'd never built anything actually. I'd studied permaculture. And so that was a big part of our original design concept was to use permaculture principles uh, in in the development of a retreat center. And, and for those that are newer to permaculture, it's, it's basically a way of working with rather than against nature. And so everything from, you know, how you orient your buildings to the sun, to, you know, where you put what resources, uh, permaculture often talks about the zones, you know, zone zero is where you sleep, you know, it's the thing you kind of, you, you, you spend time in that space the most and you kind of move out in concentric rings and, you know, eventually in kind of ring, you know, five or six, you're just in nature, but you're, you're organizing your, your life and, and all of your needs in such a way that you lose, you, you use as little energy as possible. And so we had a we had a couple guys come down here. It was fascinating actually to see them work and to see how they assess the area. It was very distinct to this area. We went around and I remember meeting with farmers and talking about uh, the the ecology here and what the weather patterns were like and what challenges they had. And and then you know once we did this, um, they did this one piece called analog climates, and they looked at. Uh, they looked at climates around the world that were similar to the specific climate where we were. And, and then when they found those analogous climates, they then looked at uh, the native uh, cultures in those areas and they assessed what, what habits, you know, what, what sort of techniques did the native cultures of all those areas use in order to provide for themselves. And, and then we used some of that to, um, to lead a design charrette and to kind of get, give ideas to the architects and the engineers and to give a sense of what we were wanting this place to be like. And yeah, it was, it was really neat. I mean, you still see today in the structures, you see certain things that are, were part of that original uh, session where, where we all got together. It's pretty amazing. It's just a beautiful, beautiful building. I, I mean, that the the yoga studio or yoga room is just like that. That that window, the vista looking out with you know, the lake. Um, I'm, what's that lake called actually over there in Queenstown? I'll be, always forget the name of it. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's Lake Wakatipu. Lake Wakatipu, mm-hmm. and then that with yeah. the beautiful mountain ranges behind it. It's just. It's probably one of the, the most beautiful yoga settings I've, I've ever seen. And um, I just like the whole experience of being there with the setup of, of the buildings and, and the architectural component, just, it just makes the, it makes the retreat really magical. I think when you're indoors, you always feel a little bit outdoors and um, that connection to the surrounds is, is really awesome. Um, yeah, I happened to find a, an architect here in New Zealand. Uh, his name's Hugh Tennant, and he is a meditation teacher. It turns out, I didn't know that right away, but um, it made a lot of sense later because he and I really connected well. And and I think he 
you know, he, he, for example, saw that window long before I saw it in his mind's eye and, and kind of built around kind of moments of stillness, if you will. He, I think he had a good sense of where we were going with it. So um, some of the things I remember, and I'm, I'm not sure whether the program's evolved, I'm sure it has evolved, uh, but some of the things I really enjoyed doing there were, you know, we had the, some of the cooking classes and um, also um, and some of the um, experiences about going out into the garden and learning a little bit about some of those plants um, that, we, that were integrated into our food. Um, also the... Um, the, the spa sessions and, and so forth, just being able to hang out with some other people and talk through through everything. Is are the days sort of structured the same still? And, and um, what are what are you guys running over there now in terms of the programs? It's still, um, I guess, the same. Or is there any? Yeah, I would say. And I, how, I don't remember exactly. Were you two years ago? How long ago was that? Uh, it would be well. Georgie was pregnant with Alki. I'm not sure that you remember that. She, she was only a few weeks pregnant. Yeah. Now Alks is three and a bit now, so it's coming up to four okay. years actually. Because we were January. It was on yeah. the last step of our honeymoon. So it was January. It would have been early January to mid January um, that we were there Amazing. four years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, the the skeleton of it would be the same. If you came back, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember how this flows. Um, the basics of it stay the same, but the um, kind of like the underlying philosophy, of course, remains. And then, you're, you know, how you share that and what's going on is changing seasonally even um, mm -hmm. because it, it, we, we move with the weather a lot, even the timing of the program and, and how we kind of sequence things, you know, from winter to summer is is different and the menus are different and and so it's very much i guess organic in that sense um some of the fun things that we've been doing lately is um you know we've got a new cacao ceremony we um we do we've been exploring the idea of, of creating your own um kind of beauty products if you will like um yeah doing facials and foot baths and toothpaste and you know mouthwash and those sort of things um that's cool. That's yeah, yeah. Those are the those are kind of the guts of it. But um, you know, the the foundations of of using yoga, uh, kind of a strong solar practice in the morning and a and a calming restorative practice in the evening. Those have stayed consistent, and we still hike. We love basically walking in the mountains, and still believe that it's one of the one of the best exercises you can do is walk in nature, and particularly in hills, and. Um, and then, you know, the overarching nutritional kind of guidance is still the same, that we're, we're a, a plant-based or at least predominantly plant-based menu and um, as localized and resilient as, as a, you know, kind of nutritional sources we can create. And, and then in the evenings, um, you know, we're always doing a bit of functional movement. So that can be anything from bar method to, um, you know, Tabata, we have a class called Dynamic Playground that's in there. And, um, and then there are educational pieces and uh, philosophical pieces that are, you know, I guess more geared towards um, either, say, learning something about uh, how, how to prepare the sort of food that we're, we're creating or, or going inside and journaling. And um, there's, yeah, 
good bits and pieces in there. And we're, we're always interested in, you know, everyone's, I, I, I try to keep the, the platform as open as possible because I know that the team that we have, like, you know, in and of themselves, a lot of the, you know, people that work here are really jazzed and talented and, and very kind of active in their own learning. So um, I, I, of course, I'm, I'm not the only person here that has a sense of things. In fact, I learn a lot from our team. And so it's not uncommon for someone to go away and do a training with someone and come back and, and propose a session and they'll, they'll put something together and, and, um, I, you know, it's, it's surprisingly effective. Like we also have, um, the other thing that we do, I don't know if you got a, uh, a chance when you're here, but we, we have featured educators that come. So probably, about every like about seven months of the year six six months of the year i'd say um through the winter months we allow uh edu featured educators so you know you might have a nutritionist that comes or a mindfulness expert uh we had kind of a almost like a professional uh, almost like an executive sort of uh training group that came this last year and um so that's been really neat to kind of bring other experts in and allow them to, you know, teach an hour or two each day and have essentially a theme that sits on top of our uh, signature program. Yeah. And I know, I know for all of us, it's quite nice to have other voices pop in and to, to learn from others. So, yeah, we had, um, we didn't have, I don't think we had a, a specific education session like that, but we had, I remember a number of, I think we had three, yourself plus two other yoga teachers that came in across the course of the week and um it was even just the subtle differences between the way they um structured their um their practice was was nice to have um while I was from mm -hmm. there and I, I i particularly love the the structure of the days because it, and um you kind of touched on it there the yoga in the morning uh, to get yourself up and about and then have obviously having delicious um fresh freshly made food before going out for a hike and particularly loved the the day we went up to the, the root burn. Um, it's, it's like one of the, my favourite days I've had in my life that day. It was just such a beautiful day. And then um, and then finishing um, the day after, um, finishing off with some a, a yoga practice sort of at the end to kind of bookend that, the physical activity component was just, um, really great and to sort of wind the body down and into some nice rest like I, I found that whole experience um, awesome to be honest mm. um, I think so if you if you, if you, you compared us to some others one of the things that sets out our heart apart is that Chris and I's intention was not to build a luxury lodge and and instead it was to see if we could facilitate you know transformation in terms of health and um, I think that that intention really comes through in the program. It's it's less about um, four star luxury, even though I, you know, of course, we are on the luxury end. And it's more about you know really cultivating and, and allowing people to have a space where they can where they can do the work to shift. Yeah, look, it does feel luxurious without like, but in the right sense though. It's like a. It, it's, it seems to be more like a safe place, you know, that you go to and, and it's so comfort um, comforting, but it's not ostentatious in any way um, that you can get sometimes with that, that may, people may pair up with 
a luxurious experience. Um, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that at all. It just seems really well thought out. And I remember sitting in the spa. I was lucky to have Chris on our retreat um, when, yeah, when cool. we were there. And I remember sitting in the spa. It was just him and I, and we were talking about um, the whole place. And his comment to me, I think it was something along the lines, it's, my, it's like my end of the world haven um, because it's all <laughs> off the grid. And, you know, he, yeah. you know if, if, if everything turns, turns uh, south, then yeah. he's got this great place to come and exist um, that he knows will, you know, satisfy his soul for the rest of his time. And it was just that it, it kind of sums it up perfectly, I reckon, the, that place um, as well. Yeah, I think it's it's actually kind of I, I often speak to that element of it in um, a session that I that I some usually lead here. Anyways, um, and the the thing that I thought was neat about the concept was that that what we do to be eco-friendly often also creates resiliency and so Adderhub provides both of those um in 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 the sense that it's you know localized and organic and um like like anytime you try and kind of become um more autonomous if you will uh, and and to, to rely less on you know globalization i guess it would be one way to think about it um you kind of start to also do things that are really good for the planet and um so that was originally like that was actually part of the original thinking right there in that lunch we were talking and we, because we were talking about how the world has you know quite a few challenges and and it looks precarious in a lot of ways and um you know what do you do and I think w- what's neat about Adarha is, is if you just wanted to build um, a, a safety haven, you know, this was a really awkward way to do it because <laughs> you, you've gone well out of your way. You know, you could you could do it for a fraction of the cost and probably more effectively if that was your only goal. You know, your only goal. Yeah. Um, but I but I imagine that you know people who might create business or or even create you know their own home. Uh, using the sort of thinking that's that's here, you know, I think really could help push society itself in in a positive direction. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was definitely a two sided. There was a two sided motive, I guess, behind that. Art. So um, when I was there, when I was practicing in one of your sessions, yoga sessions, um, we oh. I have grown up doing a lot of running, playing Aussie rules. Uh, flexibility has never been a strong point of mine um, from a health perspective. But I remember in the room and you talking about sitting in the like the discomfort and and trying to understand what it actually meant um, to you in the, in the moment. Like what what was it real um, that discomfort and uh, how, can you? I guess sit within that discomfort and allow um, allow yourself just to be and accept that it's there. And when I when we went through that experience, um, for me that was really transformative because it taught me because I I'd done yoga a number of times and always found it challenging, but it, it kind of made me cross a bridge into another realm of practice of yoga that allowed me to. I, and still to this day, whenever I when I practice yoga, to have that same switch in my head that I can flick on and just allow it to be. Um, awesome. Do you 
Yeah, that, that was a pretty amazing experience. Do you, yeah. can you elaborate a little bit more on the, on that thought process around that? I've tried to do my best there, mm-hmm. but I'm sure you have mm-hmm. some more pearls of wisdom to share with people because I know that quite often as a, as a chiropractor, when I try and get people to do things like yoga, they, they may report back to, um, around the challenges they face physically in, in trying to participate in yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I mean, one of the one of the common, I guess, misunderstandings about yoga is m- people think that yoga is about flexibility. That's probably the most common. Is I'm not very flexible. I'm not good at yoga. And you could say flexibility, but really, what yoga is trying to teach us is uh, is a flexibility of the mind, not so much the body. In fact, as long as the body is comfortable, then yoga's you've achieved the yogic path of physical requirements. Um, and so, you know, all of the postures and, you know, all the breathing exercises and the mantra and, all, you know, all of these um, practices that they have are basically geared just to allow you to sit still enough so that then you have a chance, you know, sit still in enough comfort that then you have a chance to kind of observe the mind. And the the basic idea is that, uh, you know, our, our suffering, our, you know, our frustration, our annoyances, uh, you know, our anxieties, our fears, um, all of those things are essentially our teachers. And they're, they're pointers towards a possibility for awakening, or, or you could say, um, deeper understanding of what's, what's going on, what's causing those things. And so, you know, if you imagine yourself in a posture, and for all the yogis out there, everyone who practices yoga would have, would have been in this place where you are in some sort of posture and it's challenging as hell. <laughs> and, okay. and for example, the body will start shaking. You know, it's very common for the body to tremble. And there's a physiological component to the body trembling. You know, the muscles are being stretched or they're being asked to you know, deal with a certain load or, or a certain condition um, that is challenging for the muscle. And so the, the muscles will shake. The nervous system will, as it works towards strengthening and stretching and, and improving itself, there, there are trembles and shakes. And, and it's really good to get clear, and it sounds like that's what was happening for you, is getting clear on, on where the body ends and where the mind begins if you will so what would yeah. typically happen for us is we would have a shake in the body and and especially if you were made to hold that pose for longer and longer and longer what you would quite quickly notice is that the mind will also become um uncomfortable and and all sorts of things can can show up and i know certainly in my own practice i, I it's almost comical when when a teacher asks you to do something you don't want to do and how quickly the mind kind of dives into a, <laughs> the not nicest of places, you know? And, um, and so those are moments for all of us essentially to learn about ourselves, what happens when somebody asks you to do something you don't want. And, you know, how, how do we deal with those things typically? And is there, is there any other way? And yeah. um, so one way, I mean, one way to think about it, the entire treat, retreat experience at Adarha is that we're, on one level, we're just looking to be more comfortable. And you could say we're, you know, from, from, the, from the nervous system perspective, um, you're looking to 
to move out of uh, parasympathetic, um, move into, sorry, parasympathetic and out of sympathetic. So out of fight or flight and into rest and restore and, and heal. And, and I would say that we're probably all doing that anyways. Like when any, when anyone on the planet wakes up in the morning, whatever we're doing during our day, we're trying to get it all under control. We're trying to make our lives more comfortable. We're trying to um, organize things and take care of the kids and get the house in shape. And, you know, all of that stuff is in an effort to finally get it all under control and to be comfortable and at ease. Mm. And, and what we're saying in, in the practices at Utterheim, and you could say in yogic practice, is that, um, that, that the path of working from the outside in is, is an illusory path. And it's one that just leads to more doing and more striving and more craving. Um, and that working from the inside out um, and, and just choosing to, you know, notice the, the patterning and notice the tendency towards one way or another, and then choosing to step outside of that um, is, is ultimately the only way that we, we come to a sustained place of comfort. Yeah, that's, 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 I love that, that last little um, yeah. bit there. It's, it's, it's the, the way that we should all really approach uh, life when you think about it. Um, one of the things that also, it's funny because I've thought about this a lot of times in the past four years, but just now talking to you again, obviously hearing your voice has brought back a memory from in the room. So mm -hmm. uh, with that yoga practice, and, and as, as you were saying, it doesn't really, there is no level, I mean, there's obviously levels of capability, but just by doing it, um, you're doing it. So whether you've done yoga for 15 years or or 50 years or five minutes, you, the practice is the practice. That's why it's probably called a practice instead of, you know, you're not you, you can't achieve it. It's just doing it. Just like going for a mm. run. You know, mm. um, you, you either run, you're either running or you're not running. And there's obviously different levels of capability, but the whole idea is just um, to do it. And then that experience of feeling your body within that and that connection between the mind and body is probably, I mean, I, I'm a runner. I feel that in running, but also um, the pain that you get um, or discomfort, which a lot of people don't like when they run, um, I sort of experience that a little bit sometimes, what I used to with yoga, whereas now that acceptance around it is, mm. um, is that connection um, to the internal self which is great and being able to work through that is very powerful i, f I find it very powerful anyway um, yeah i mean I, I reckon you've probably had the experience where you're running and the and the mind kind of is has gone down a track that's uncomfortable yeah. and and if and, and when you realize you're doing it and you kind of just let go of that thing and just let yourself run you know, there's a, a certainly I'd say, I mean, to me, it feels quite significant. You can really release and relieve uh, quite a bit of, of tension or pressure that just doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And I'd never made that uh, analogy until this this uh, conversation, because I genuinely love the pain of running. Like the harder I go, I sort of I really relish in that. Um, yeah. But it's still uncomfortable. It's still. Yeah. And whereas 
I feel like um, the the breakthrough I had with yoga over there was that um, it, I, I, I wasn't trying to achieve anything, say like a downward dog, I, having posterior chain tension, I always found it such a challenging movement and I because I couldn't get my heels down that I wasn't capable of doing it. But that's not that wasn't the right way to view it. The, the, it's, the idea was connecting with the challenge and understanding it and, um, and working through that connection between the mind and body. And eventually, I mean, by the end of the week, it was amazing, the transformation that took place um, in my ability to do those things just by – and it really happened at an accelerated rate after um, sort of the middle of the week when I made this connection. You know, my, I, was, I stopped resisting the discomfort and, and got into it um, and sat in the discomfort and then, you know, that's where – um, a lot of that that improvement change and I, I reckon it sort of paralleled a, a transition into more of a parasympathetic relaxed state whilst we were there too mm, amazing awesome cool. hey so yeah. um, let's let's give some more uh i'm sure you have a lot of stories um of evolution of people within that have taken place in the, the retreat have you got any any that stand out for you um where something has happened or someone has reported something happening to them that I guess we could use the word magical or um, transformative um, that people, I mean, they probably report on it lots, but have you got any that say Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that just first popped to my mind there was that, um, this is kind of funny because my, my wife would laugh if she was listening to me talk about this because every once in a while I just have these these moments where, it's like the whole of existence becomes immensely magical. It's, you know, we take for granted that we are, you know, blobs of flesh and blood and bone and, you know, carbon-based molecules that somehow are not only conscious of our surroundings, but conscious of ourselves. And, and I guess one of the things that I love the most and which I think happens to most people is that they they come they shift out of I almost call it like the kind of minutia you know you kind of it's really easy in our in our busy lives to um, be in the minutia we're kind of in the doing and in the kind of activeness and and, and we're, we're busy and we're getting things done um, and it's almost a little bit like having blinders on so that you know little things like the the traffic on the way to work or you know, the flat white is cold or, you know, just like the little things in life can, can be almost um, exaggerated in their, in their importance. And it feels like that through the retreat experience, I know personally for me when I've gone on retreat, um, it's, it's as though I come back to that greater sense of awe and appreciation and um, connection. And that's probably this thing that I see most and, and, and people say it in different ways, but I think we're often kind of feeling the same thing. It's like, Oh yeah, it's, I mean, you already know it, you know, it's not something that you don't know. It's just, we, we kind of forget, or we don't, we don't pull back enough or have that macro, you know, connected view um, often enough in a typical day. So to me, that's a miracle. Like if you can take someone from, from being anxious or wondering why or if it's worth it or you know something like that and having them come back into the the deliciousness of their own life 
I don't know what's more amazing than that. And and the funny thing is we're not using complex tools. You know, this isn't about, you know, copyrighted, you know, techniques or, or machines or lasers, you know what I mean? It's, it's just nature and it's just movement and it's just breath and it's just healthy food. And it's just, you know, all of these things being given in abundance um, and community and caring and hugs and it's, but I think the outcome is, is pretty special. And, you know, of course, I, I think like in general, what we're doing to the body is that we're, we're shifting, you know, we're out of typically, um, out of in general, you're kind of shifting the body out of inflammation and out of stress. And, um, and when you decrease stress and you decrease inflammation as, as a general rule, you're just going to see a whole host of changes. So whatever, whatever issues someone has, those, those niggles are going to decrease. And, you know, you have people that come in with rheumatoid arthritis or something like that. And I had a woman uh, not long ago and she, and in the closing circle, she was like, I can't remember the last time I didn't have pain in my hands and I don't have pain in my hands. And yeah, stuff like that's like, I mean, if that's not magic also, it's like, wow. Um, But that's kind of happening. It kind of just depends, you know, each person has their own experience and I, I mean, I, 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 it's why I've kind of stayed with this realm of wellness is that I, I really like that it's available to everyone. Adarha obviously is, is on the high end of this sort of thing, but, but, it, but all of the elements of Adarha are, are really available to all of us. Um, and so it's, it's kind of, in a sense, we're kind of valuing a little bit of what we may have left behind as a culture some of these practices that that our you know great grandparents probably would have held as as no-brainer sort of things to do um we're returning to a lot of that older wisdom yeah and look that the thing is and people listening to this talking about it and thinking about it um is pretty common it's it's common sense that these things will will, will help us feel better but when you actually experience it all together and in a setting like you've created there, it does make you feel so much, uh, I guess, so much better compared to what you believed you would feel just by talking about it or just when you think about it, you think this would be great. That's, that was my experience. This would be a great way to finish off our honeymoon. We'll feel refreshed and vibrant and so forth. But you don't, you can't understand it till you experience it. Really, that's where the magic comes in, I think. Is that yeah Chris says yeah that's it's funny you sound just like my business partner he's all, when he talks to people he's like nothing is going to really describe it you really just need to go and try it out yeah um, and and that makes a lot of sense it's hard to describe the the state yeah. so if um if you were to design so obviously the when I was over there I'm like geez I wish every I wish I could have every every week be like this and then when you come back home you, you try and um incorporate as much of it into your life as possible um but it's hard right because we have other things that we have to do if you were to describe a, the, a, for your average person who has a nine to five type job if you were to design a day or a week uh, for that person um to try and get as much of what you can get at araha but just in your day-to-day routine 
how would you structure that up for them that day? That's a great question. Um, I guess I would say that it's it's pretty unique. Um, it's one of the I mean, at Otter how we don't we don't tell people what they should do or shouldn't do. We not even about any of it. You know, we're, we basically provide an experience, and then each guest gets to take with them what they feel is valuable and. And we give some resources as you're as you're leaving and that sort of thing. And and we're always here if anybody has any questions. But um, I guess what I found is that each of us have different values. And what I would look at if if you're in you know wherever you are in in your kind of your life, if if things aren't feeling good, if things are feeling great, and and you feel content and connected and all every everything is on or mostly on then great. You've got a great mix going on. You know, you don't need to change much. Um, if things aren't feeling good, then I would just, I would just look at potentially what the sets of values are. And one way to think about that is, is how am I spending most of my time? You can think of your time as kind of, you know, capital, if you want to think of it that way, but you, you, you have a certain amount of time each day. And what are you doing with that time? Because whatever that is, is what you you hold as your highest value. It's what you're you're giving the most to. Yeah. And 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 just notice, you know, what why why am I doing that? Why have I chosen that? And and is it, you know, perhaps you chose it for one reason and it's not delivering on on what you thought it would deliver. And and I would just start looking at what does bring you joy and what does fill your heart and what and what shifts you out of that sort of thing so for me i was you know i was working in corporate america and i was um, a software consultant doing um, enterprise level web development basically for four years and uh during that four years you know day after day after day it was like groundhog day i would go to work i'd work i didn't really care that much about what i was working on and I would come home at the end of, you know, a nine or 10 hour day. And, you know, that was five or six days a week. And so the vast majority of my waking hours, I was, I was with a computer in a cubicle and I was working on things that just didn't, I didn't connect with. Now, some of the people I was working with did love that. So it was very personal. I worked with guys who would code for nine or 10 hours a day with me. And then they would go home and they would do another four hours because they just yeah. loved it and they were just in it. And, and for them, it was perfect, you know, but for me, it wasn't. And so I, I and it took me years. It wasn't, it wasn't that sharp, you know, like I really yeah. had to bang my head against the wall for a while before I was like, okay, like it's this, this doesn't make sense. If I'm really this miserable doing what I'm doing, I need to change. And I, and I tried and tried and tried and, and eventually just kind of threw caution to the wind and started doing something I liked, which was yoga for me. And so I would say uh, that's kind of a valuable process to go through for, for all of us. And yeah. different things would would pop to the surface, and we would notice different things as as what's most challenging. And of of course, we can kind of use the process that you and I were just talking about, where we're we're noticing, like, am I am I creating suffering, or is it or is it that I'm I'm in an environment which just isn't serving me? It's not something that I'm, you know, it's not the way I want to spend my time. And um, yeah, I think a lot of times we say things like. 
I have to do this or I have to do that. And in a sense, another nice way to kind of look at it is, is to essentially require less of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we live in the world where we see, you know, tenfold more beautiful pictures of beautiful places and beautiful people and beautiful cars and all this stuff is kind of, it, we're just consuming an enormous amount of it. And we're probably, and potentially we're, we're asking uh, a lot more of ourselves. Uh, and so, you know, to, to kind of ask less of ourselves and to do more of what we, we really thrive with, I think is, is a nice recipe. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful way of putting that too. Um, look, let's uh, to finish off. Uh, obviously, through your evolution, you would have gone through lots of resources, books, podcasts, um, attended um, uh, you know training events, and so forth. Have you got three resources that you feel have shaped you, or that you think you recommend? often to people as a way of trying to understand some of this transformative path that we can go on to be more conscious of who we are and how we're living um, and how and also what our impact is on the world so how we can be a great citizen whilst at the same time also you know fulfilling our own um, soul and, and purpose yeah good question one of the one of the first people that I came across that uh, really impacted me was Eckhart Tolle. And he, yeah. he, um, he wrote The Power of Now. And then he also wrote the book that I actually liked better um, was uh, A New Earth. Mm-hmm. So A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle was, was really big. In fact, that was in one of the, it was one of the first books that Chris and I connected over was, uh, was A New Earth. Um, another one, so I guess both of these are, are, are in the vein of self-awareness or self-inquiry. And I, I don't know, it's funny because I didn't start here actually. Like I started with the physical and maybe that makes a lot of sense. Like if you're new to this path, you know, starting with the physical makes a lot of sense. Um, I started doing yoga and and I had done a bit of working out in gyms and I'd done some strength training and things like that, but, but functional movement or yoga or something that gets you embodied and feeling good and looking a bit at, you know, food and nutrition, I think potentially is a good place to start. But, but the stuff that's really shifted me has all been internal and, and philosophical, I guess, of nature or basically mm-hmm. just understanding how I make my life miserable. <laughs> and so I would say a new earth is one. Um, another one is called the untethered soul by Michael Singer. That's more recent. And I really loved that book and really highly uh, rate it. Um, the last person I would suggest would is uh, Byron Katie. She is amazing. And um, she has a couple of books out. Um, one is, is loving what is, and that yeah. is an excellent read. Um, you can watch her. She does something called the work and it's, uh, a really simple process for inquiry, uh, self-inquiry. So let's say, you know, something's going on in your life and, um, and, and you want to work through it. You can actually find her online. She, all of her therapists that she teach, uh, that she, I guess, certifies, um, they offer, 
are, are part of an offering online where you can call a 1-800 number and talk to somebody in, in, you know, in person and they'll walk you through the work, which is a way of just kind of uh, questioning and, and looking at your thoughts more carefully and, and seeing if you can come to um, a place of resolution. So I definitely highly recommend her as the teacher. Yeah, and she's, I mean, you know, we're, we're very lucky these days to have some of these people are, you know, I mean, all three of the ones I've mentioned are still alive and we can still practice with them and we can still um, go and learn from them and read their their work. So um, it's it's a good time to be alive in that sense that there there is a lot of help out there and a lot of guidance. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of enlightenment going on across the world, I reckon, around this stuff, um, which is which is awesome because it's helping transform people um everywhere and um look that that probably wraps us up uh damien thank you for your for your time um and, Thanks, and Marcus. sharing yeah. some of your wisdom um i, I love Araha. just to finish off um it's i know for um a lot of people listening um that may not have heard of Araha, it's an, an award-winning um retreat it's, it's the number one ranked retreat in the world i think at the moment um Am I right in saying that? Well, uh, yeah, we, we get ranked often. Like, I think Condé Nast Traveler, just globally, in terms of spas and resorts, they ranked us number 11. And we just got ranked number one in New Zealand. Um, those rankings change every year. So we're kind of all over the place. And it depends yeah. on who's ranking you. But, um, yeah, yeah, true. It's very good, subjective. Good handful of awards. Yeah. Um, I think um, one last thing that we didn't touch on is that um, from a retreat size, Araha, is it 16 people that it's capped at, at per time? Um, we cap at 18, so yeah, 18. small groups. Yeah, yeah right. small groups, which is really intimate, and I find that part of it um, great as well in terms of forming relationships with um, the people that you're there um, with, experiencing it, and then also the staff at Araha like yourself, and hence why I can reach out and um, ask for a Skype call because, you know, we spent some good time together. Yeah, man. Good to chat. Good to catch up. Awesome. The good work out there. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Yeah. Thank you, Marcus. All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Superwell podcast. For more information on any of our episodes, head over to www.superwell.com.au and you can get all the episodes there. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can also find links to iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you want to continue the conversation on with us, then head over to our Instagram page at Live Superwell and follow us there and comment under each episode. Uh, if you want to give us any feedback, you can also get in touch via email on the webpage too. So until next episode, Live Superwell.